today I'm now sitting with Vincent um, Vincent Tao from PP Live, and I don't think anyone who is listening to this is going to understand this model uh, initially, and so um, just be prepared for some interesting things. I'll just say one thing to start it off: uh, 120 million users from a company that you've never heard of in China. Um, and we'll, we'll save the, the details for later on in the interview. Vincent, can you uh, maybe take it away firstly just by telling a bit about who you are? Hey, everybody. And uh, my name is Vincent Tao. Actually, it's uh, very interesting. I just moved from the United States to Shanghai, China, about a month ago. And, um, uh, of course, I joined uh, PP Life from Microsoft and I took the, uh, the CEO position at PP Life. I actually quite impressed about the PP Life. That's, uh, that's one of the reasons maybe I'll tell you a bit more about the why I'm sort of joining the PP Life. And I've been with Microsoft for the last five years. And before I came to Microsoft, uh, I was the CEO and the founder of a company called GeoTango. And we actually built uh, a product called GlobalView. And it's a 3D Earth mapping technology. And uh, many of you probably not aware, it's actually two years ahead of Google Earth. And the company would get acquired by Microsoft uh, in 2005, and I joined uh, Bill Gates um, for the Bill Gates strategic project. I led a project uh, called the Virtual Earth, and I think many of my friends have used Microsoft product called the Virtual Earth. Actually, I led the, the team building everything from ground up, and now actually has a market share of 80% in the B2B market, and compared to our competitors. And the B2C market and uh, still like Google is very, very sort of popular. But in the B2B market, and the Microsoft Virtuals has uh, take that uh, market share. Before I joined, started my own company, GeoTango, which is the startup company in Toronto. Uh, I actually was a Canadian research chair professor in university. So I had a quite interesting life myself. I uh, was a professor, a uh, researcher, and uh, during my time in academia, I actually built about the 14 technologies uh, sort of licensed to the private sectors before I started my own company. Uh, I moved from China to Canada in, two, uh, in 1995 and did my PhD work there. And later on, I you know, became the professor in Canada doing my teaching work research work in the last eight years before I started a company called GeoTangle. So looking back, it's kind of an interesting life and uh, you know, being in the university as a professor before and moving to build my company startup for four, four years, then joined Microsoft as one of the executives for the last five years. And uh, after actually thinking a lot about my next sort of a career a step, I decided to come back to China and then join the company PP Life as a CEO. Cool. Yeah. Um, I, I'm interested to understand like a little bit more about you. You grew up in Shanghai? Yeah, I grew up in Shanghai. And how old were you when you moved to Canada? Uh, that's uh, 1995, so when I was almost 24 years old. Yeah. And, and how long did you live in Canada? Uh, about uh, uh, 10 years. And then you so said then you moved to Seattle? Then moved to Seattle, yeah. So I'm interested to understand then like, why are you coming back to China? Uh, it's fascinating. And uh, looking at my career side, uh, being, as I said, I've been as a you know, professor. And actually, I, I was had uh, the professor I call the research chair professor, actually was the highest academic rank in the academia. Uh, so I feel I sort of uh, understanding how that world is playing and decided to start my own company as an entrepreneur. Uh, being a startup, you know, is very interesting and very fascinating too. 
a lot of challenges. But after sold my company to Microsoft, I, you know, people say, hey, you've been success from an entrepreneur point of view. But to me, I think that just start sort of getting me from research world into the business world. So at Microsoft, I really be like, uh, you know, executive making a lot of decisions and actually responsible for the global product and the business plan. And that got me really learn a lot about how the business, especially the large business, how you scale the large business, how you manage the large team. Uh, I actually report to Bill Gates on a monthly basis, and actually that gave me a, a lot of learning curve as well. And whenever you prepare things to present to the Bill, you know. Um, after that, I feel hey, I still need more challenging work to do. And uh, one of the things I actually sort of uh, start to get me excited about is China. Everybody knows China is growing fast, and actually I find that they really need a lot of. Uh, uh, experienced entrepreneur or people who have a knowledge about how to run a large business. Hmm. Um, so there's a market for people that have had a successful company already um, and are interested in moving to China. They can come in and run a, a startup that's started ready to go to the next level. That's right. And uh, you know, being working with a large company, I sort of understanding how those large corporations are working. But uh, in my career, I really love to do another kind of a challenging work is maybe taking company to the IPO. Mm-hmm. And for PP Life, and the, the target was set very clearly is that to take the company from, the PP Life is not really the startup. And it's sort of an early growth, middle growth stage. And we have close to 200 employees. And with this kind of a sizing, with this kind of a revenue stream, I feel that it's an opportunity for me to take the company to the next level, which to me is the IPO. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about your family? You just moved your family through lots of cities? Uh, that's actually a very good question, so of course. That's going to be some you know, challenging for my family. Actually, my family now uh, just came to join me uh, a week ago uh, from Seattle, and uh, uh, this is just two months for the vacation. You know, school now is uh, uh, you know, uh, the school time, a uh, school break time, but they're actually going to go back to take the, uh, you know, take the, the winter term, uh, sorry, the fall, um, but uh, we have not decided yet when actually to move them back. Personally, I love them to to join me as early as possible, like uh, next January sometime. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, it's gonna, gonna take some time for them to kind of adopt, uh, especially my kids, to uh, get used to this kind of environment here. So I'd imagine you'd have a, an American family by now, right? And so bringing them to China is gonna be like, knock them off balance a bit, no? Yeah, primarily, like, I think the kids. My wife is, you no, know, he's, uh, she's Chinese, so not, not problem. And, um, but the kids side would be a little bit, uh, you know, would be would little bit, uh, you know, uh, a challenge for them, yeah. Hmm. And how about for you? How are you finding it being living in China now? I mean, you've only been here a month, but it, it must be you, you go through ups and downs, right? When you, right, when yeah. In your country, right, yeah. But it's not uh, you know it's not uh, uh, that difficult for myself. And uh, in fact, uh, in the last two years, I was responsible for the for the Asian business at Microsoft. I was responsible for the Microsoft online services for the China, Japan, and the Korea market. So I spent about six months last year actually living in China. Uh, so myself, uh, I don't think I have a problem in terms of adapt to this, uh, this kind of environment, especially when you're born in China, you have you know, culture side, the food-wise, and uh, that's not uh, that's not issue at all. And of, of course, I'm personally prepared to kind of commit myself and time and uh, other things, I, I might gonna suffer a lot of stuff. You know, uh, you may have to give up a lot of things. But I think the opportunity is great for me to um, to join the company and uh, at this stage.
Mm. So well, let's talk about the company then. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, no, one more question. You, so you, you reported to Bill Gates once a month. Like, what was he like to actually report to? Uh, he's very determined and get to the ground. And the first things I can tell everyone is very interesting. The first thing, the first meeting, I spent a lot of time prepare really awesome uh, deck. Part and you want to see it? And uh, his TA told me, Vincent, uh, Bill Gates doesn't want to see the PowerPoint. And whatever you have done or what you are going to do, show me the demo. Show me the real demo thing, mm-hmm. uh, rather than sort of flash kind of uh, you know right. uh, fantastic uh, PowerPoint, right? So basically, that's sort of tell you, hey, he really wants to see things that you uh, get to the ground. Exactly what are you thinking? Exactly what you are doing, rather than telling him sort of uh, surface talking right. points, thoughts, you know, vision or whatever stuff. Throw the stuff away. The second thing, and uh, I think that I remember. Uh, firmly, actually, that shocked me as well. And first meeting, and the Bill asked me, "Hey, Vincent, uh, show me your roadmap and your vision." I talked. Uh, I talked to Bill. I said, "You know, I want to build a team. I need to hire a lot of engineers. Uh, blah blah." My headcount request. This is my headcounts, right? I wanted to build the more incredible the team here. Bill said, "Yeah, no problem, Vincent. I, you, at Microsoft, you can hire as many as you want." But remember, there's a bottom line, and uh, we need one million dollar revenue per, per head. Mm-hmm. If you hire one person, just tell me this guy can bring one million dollar. I mean, of course, for the whole team. Uh, so that actually give you the sort of a really to think about whether the the market size would be enough, and either timing is good enough for you to really to invest. This is not something cannot be done. It's basically the timing. And uh, and of the ROI, whether it is the right timing and uh, the right investment to get what you want. So the key I should tell you is how you maximize your invest and to the return that uh, you know at the one minute per head kind of thing. This is actually very good. You know, those are good lessons for me. Even those are two very powerful points. That's very very fascinating. Basically, let you to thinking about either deeply. Second, you must have a grand vision. Don't waste your time to do tiny things. Spend your time. But a million dollars per head, so a cost per employee, and, and that that makes sense. Hire as many as you want, as long as they can bring in a million dollars. That's person, right. Yeah. The, and and show like a working demo. That's right. And not not mess around with PowerPoint or. That's right. Yeah. Fluffy yeah. stuff. Yeah. I like it. So those two points, you can see. Hey, yeah, he he's incredible. Hmm. You know, yeah. All right, so tell us about PP Live. So as I see, it's the company with 120 million users that nobody's ever heard of. Because obviously, um, a lot of people, oh, a lot of, uh, uh, Chinese, of course, Alice, 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 Alice haven't. So, um, and is that 120 million actively? Like, what's a monthly active user? Monthly active users, 35 million active users. Mm-hmm. 35 million active users, and uh, total, the installation base, like uh, downloading the software, is 100. 20 minute user base. Okay. Yeah. So, um, my understanding of the service is it's basically a, a service for peer to peer television. Is that, a, is that an accurate summary? Or maybe you can tell uh, us. It's actually our definition is web TV, uh, if you will, is online video aggregator, like Hulu, like many other you know video company, online video company in the United States, and uh, the platform technology is based on the peer to peer, you know, PTP technology. So you can stream the huge massive videos to the large audience base with a very little cost. That is the key, because everybody knows YouTube, you know, serve a lot of users, that's great. And the bandwidth cost and the people probably aware of is actually about two million dollars per day for YouTube. 
There's no such a company in the world except Google, I guess. Even Microsoft would not be able to, you know, interested even to afford that kind of business because two million dollars per day in terms of cost. Uh, it's a huge uh, sort of capital investment. So for this company, because they're running the peer-to-peer, and uh, the uh, the cost on the bandwidth side is uh, is uh, uh, probably you'll be amazed. It's actually about uh, anywhere from two to five percentage of the compared to other video companies in terms of bandwidth cost. Two to five percent of the cost. Yeah, two to five percent cost of the bandwidth. And uh, maybe a lot of people ask me, hey, why, you know, sort of a P2P, you probably seen the P2P company, the most successful P2P technology company is probably in China right now, in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, looking at all the world, and there's some P2P company, they've been doing some other stuff, at the, but this company has been doing hugely successful uh, for two reasons. One, in China, the population is huge. If everybody go online, go watch a movie, go watch a TV, you know, watch those high-resolution stuff, it's really going to absorb a lot of your bandwidth, right? right? The second, actually the bandwidth cost, the average cost in China is actually higher than the Uni- United States. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it's actually about a two to five times more cost than the bandwidth cost in the United States. And the third, the Internet is not as great as the United States, even there's a lot of, you know, the broadband penetration is very high. I think it's about a 30 percentage in terms of population mm-hmm. compared to the U.S. It's like 70 percentage. So the internet infrastructure is still not as, of course, it's not as smooth as compared to the U.S. So for the three reasons, the P2P works very fine, you know, in China. It works around those sorts of problems. Yeah, the three problems. Yeah. So um, my initial, as soon as I see like P2P TV models, I haven't really played with them in depth. I do, I do experiment with a lot of stuff, but I haven't with those because my perception has always been that they're not going to work very well. The, 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 if you're depending on other peers to download stuff, you're going to run into problems. Um, now, obviously, you've just shown me a demo before this now where you can select basically out of a lot of movies and select the ones that have the most users and playing starts within 10 to 15 seconds. And we were able to track to a couple of minutes within to a movie that they hadn't had time to buffer yet and that got there within about five seconds. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it works. I don't understand how that works. Can you maybe talk about... Yeah, the PGP is... Uh, uh, if I give uh, people example about how... Because a lot of people have a perception. Hey, PGP is something, you know, piracy, downloading stuff, you know, uh, back to the Napster. But this is actually more like, uh, you know, juiced. People heard about it. You heard right. about the juiced? Yeah. yeah, the juiced model. Juiced, you know, used to sort of work on this model. Skype is a P2P. Messenger and Messenger is based on P2P. So give you a quick example about how the P2P works. It's like you are building, let's say, the bandwidth is like, a, you know, building the transportation system. No matter how many, you know, you can build a freeway, you know, highways, a building infrastructure, right? Once you've got, the, you know, rush hours, your traffic will be jammed. Mm-hmm. There's no way for you. Basically, there's no way for you to build this. Uh, you have. You don't have. A, you would have a capital limitation. No, no, I get, I, that's not. I get. Yeah. But what I don't get is how can you quickly stream from users that are dotted all around China? Yeah. How do you, I mean a movie? What a movie? Let's say is is one right. gigabyte in size. Yeah. How are you streaming a yeah. gigabyte worth of movie right. real time to all of these guys? So this is actually based on the, this all network resource management. So sometimes when I explain what is P2P, is actually is called real time traffic rerouting system. Uh, traffic rerouting system. So once you get jammed right to the, through the freeway, actually we quickly reroute those you know vehicles through the secondary roads and the small streets and uh, basically. 
sort of a distributed traffic from different uh, from different uh, nodes. So in China, the P2P actually has to work based on your network effects somehow. So you must have a huge amount of your seeds, so called P2P nodes. Um, and of course, the beauty is we have a huge population, 120 million user installation base. So the user base is large, or network effect. But even if it's really, really big, and I, I get that, um, if I want to watch a movie like, um, let's say, I want very to sort of dark hell, sort of let's, hell. Say, no, let's say a big movie, Dark Knight, right? Yeah. The, the, if I want to watch that movie, which is a pretty big movie, yeah, and I want to track through to the last third of the movie, yeah, how does that? I mean. Realistically, I pick any like mainstream big movie that's yeah. very popular. How many users are watching that at any given time? Uh, so, so it actually it doesn't matter from all PPP live technology. So the way actually we handle it is, is people may consider the the traditional PPP technology is while you're watching the movie, you're sharing that movie bits to others. Right. But we're talking about a gigabyte music file uh, and a movie file around users all, right. around, all around the country. So basically, for example, um, if you are aware of, are you aware sort of CDN technology, the cache technology? No. The CDN, right? No. Like uh, Akuma, others, right? right. Oh so yeah, I'm mean, familiar with Akuma. Yeah, you heard about Akuma. Akuma basically is a CDN, it's called mm-hmm. a cache. Right. What Akuma does is actually they put a lot of servers. Right. Those servers will function as a cache. Mm-hmm. So once you've been, uh, once the the content has been watched through uh, the Akma servers, Akma will cache some part of contents on there. So system. you're actually caching parts of the movie. We well, actually cache parts of the movie, actually based based. So some based on your machine, some based on the other machine. Basically, everybody's machine. Once they join the network, they become part of your cache, your cache uh, management. But that cache is like a swap. And uh, first, people don't know it's actually it's a very small, um, you know, it's a, it's a, just like you're using Internet Explorer, actually, everyone uses it. And I guess one of the points then is if someone is watching a movie on their computer, they're not going to be probably using their computer. So, in fact, you can take over their Internet connection, Yeah. and it's not really going to affect them. And so you can do a lot of caching for other people. Is that kind of the principle behind it? Because uh, so if I'm using my computer and you right. start, you're filling it up with bandwidth from... You know, I'm suddenly serving to 500 other users at the same time. If I have to actually use it at the same time, that's pretty annoying. But if I'm watching a movie, I'm probably not using my computer. I'm probably watching a movie. Yeah. Once you're watching a movie, once you start watching, like using the PP Live software to watch the movie, then we start to use the cache. So basically, as I said, because we have a strong network effect, and there's a lot of user base, so at any point, we probably can find at least 25 to 100 people uh, having watching, you know, at the same point, there's a lot of people are watching the movies, right? At the same point, at the same, or at more or less the same point in the movie. No, it'll be 25. To it doesn't matter because once you've been watching the movie, some bits will be cached at your machine. So that bits of cache, whether you're watching it or not, will be transmitted to the others, will be shared with others. And so, so you don't have to use. So basically, you are we're not we're basically use your machine as a cache instead of use your machine as a uh, you know computer some other P2P technology. Some of yeah. But let's say I've watched a movie and I've been watching it for an hour an hour and a half and it's got ten minutes left. Does that mean I have a full hour and a half of uh, of the movie cached in my machine that I'm serving up to other people? Uh, sorry, can you repeat that? So question? let's say a movie is yeah. one hour forty minutes long. Yeah. And I've watched an hour and a half of it. 
Does that mean you have cash inside my computer? Oh, no, 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 no. Your cash is very small. So on your on your side, you actually can define your default is probably let's say 500 megabyte. Mm-hmm. So the 500 megabyte. One movie probably more than that. Um, so on your machine, you might store many many movie bits. It's distributed management system. So you mm-hmm. have many many little bits on your machine. But everybody else has all kind of bits on your machine. So basically, it's like a, it's, it's sort of similar like a cookie, some sort of those technology. You actually have a lot of bits on your stuff on your machine. Yeah, but the problem is we're moving movies around with limited bandwidth, right? I mean, the average user, how fast is the DSL connection? 100 kilobits a second, 200 kilobits a second at most? Oh, one megabyte. Usually, the average user in China. The average user is one megabyte. Yeah, one megabyte. So they have reasonably fast internet. Reasonably, yeah. Acceptable. I mean, where I live in the Dominican Republic, most people don't have that. They have 256k. So, in fact, if you're saying the average user has one megabit per second, that's that's decently fast. That's actually uh, also, of course, if you're looking at it, we, we call the you know in the PTP technology, you have a super nodes and the sort of ordinary nodes, and some we call the super nodes, meaning actually they have a much more better network, uh, the bandwidth. So those nodes probably stream a lot more stuff than some others who has less bandwidth. I mean, I have like one of the fastest connections you can get uh, in the country uh, as as a, like a home user, five megabits a second. Like that's that's the fastest, and so that's only five times bigger than the average of what China people in China have. Mm, that's yeah. what you're saying, right? Yeah. So basically, it's like as I said, it's a real-time rerouting system. So basically, you're looking at where's the jam. If it's a jam, you're actually looking at the secondary roads or other sort of dispatches, and uh, you always real-time manage all those different uh, you know nodes and share that uh, that content among your network. How's that different to what Juice is doing? Juice actually, you know, frankly, and we actually look at the Juice technology. We find this. Uh, uh, being one of the reason, I guess, actually was because of the technology. Their technology isn't to the point that I feel mature enough compared to PP Live's own technology. And even at Microsoft, we have a lot of internal study about the PP Live's technology. And PP Live technology was awarded even last year in the ACM, which is top conferences, and Google, Microsoft used to, you know, uh, have awards. And the PP Live was one of few Chinese companies, actually, their internet technology has get awarded internationally because of the P2P technology. And uh, they've been showing very scalable in terms of supporting huge amount of users and showing how reliably they can manage the, you know, the cat, you know, those those video streams among the millions of machines. Uh, you have to tune your system, you know, uh, it's not something you can do, uh, you know, the algorithm side and the tuning side would require a lot of R&D and engineering work to do. So that brings up an interesting point. There's obviously some really smart guys who've done that. You're, you've been here for a month, you're in as the, the flashy new CEO from, from Microsoft. What happened to the old founders? Uh, the founder actually will work with me as uh, so we call the core leadership. So mm-hmm. this is more like a Microsoft and a Google model, right? Bill Gates and uh, Steve Ballmer and Eric Sherman and uh, Larry Page, you know, with co-founders. So uh, the, the the founder actually of this company, he's a really uh, very technology guy, very smart guy. He actually quit his master program. He finished his first year master program and quit it because of uh, he invented the technology at the time. And he jumped out and started a company. So he never finished his master's degree. Uh, so it's quite an interesting story, like a Bill Gates. Yeah. Um, and also his name is called Bill. 
his yeah. English name is called Bill, and uh, he respected Bill a lot. And if you go to his office, you can find a lot of Bill Gates photos there. So somehow we got the connections myself and uh, with Bill, this person. I say, hey, wow, I was with Bill Gates. This is Bill Yao, and his last name. Uh, so we're actually doing the core leadership here, and this is probably, I don't know, it sounds like it's the first case in China, and uh, uh, you know, like a core leadership and running the company. You know, one person may make may, may, uh, make mistakes, and with two, with two, you know, your brain, I think you have a at least your your uh, the possibility of making mistakes is uh, is getting less. Yeah. So you guys are effectively, he's, he's CEO, you're CEO and he's CEO? He's, uh, he's president. Mm-hmm. He's president, I'm the CEO. Yeah, he's president, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I mean, and is there other other guys or is it you two basically running the company? Uh, two of us, I, we probably would, uh, we're the most key decision makers. Of course, we have a senior management team, we right. have uh, you know, CFO, CTO, many other incredible uh, you know the, the the senior management executives that help us to make. I mean that sounds like a good combination because you're Chinese born then, but yeah. you understand U.S. management practices. He's the right. Chinese local that's strong in technology, exactly. so that I mean it would seem like a good fit. Sounds like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Yeah. Um, I'm interested though just to just to backtrack a little bit on you. You're obviously got a strong background. You could have. I would imagine you had choices of a lot of companies you could have come and worked at to take over and manage here in Shanghai. Why did you pick PPLive? Like, how did you evaluate the options that you had? Mm-hmm. What other kinds of options did you have? Yeah, actually, before I uh, kind of step into PPLive, I had the two offers as a CEOs uh, in US, and uh, a few offers, uh, CEO offers in China. Uh, but finally, I decided to go with PPLive. And uh, I think the three reasons why I joined PPLive. The number one reason, I think, is still looking at the internet market. And uh, even at Microsoft, we understand very well the last year, uh, the highest growth uh, in the internet is uh, online video advertising. And if you're looking at the internet, I, I define myself as the three kind of uh, a two, uh, there's two waves in the internet world. And the internet, of course, internet company, most of the internet company are taking the, uh, uh, the, the advertising is the primary business model. If you look at the advertising, I, I see from advertising types, there are three major types. The first one is the banner ads. Basically, the advertising, the internet company is taking uh, the advertising ads from the, you know, the traditional magazines and newspaper to the internet. That came to the portal, right? Mm-hmm. Different websites showing the banner ads. So that's the first wave. The second wave, which is a search. Actually, what search does is actually we call the, uh, the yellow page ads, classified ads. Those are long tail Ads and that's been taken over by the internet, which is the second wave. And the third wave, to my personally, I feel, uh, if you're looking at the, all the advertising space, the largest pie is actually TV ads, is video ads. Mm-hmm. It's a video type, not a banner, not a, not a text like a search. It's actually video ads. And the video ads, I think, ultimately will be moving, or at least some part of it will be moving to online, will moving online. Mm-hmm. So you need to build sort of an internet media to accommodate as a vehicle to accommodate those video ads. And uh, I love the online video, which is like a Hulu type of model, which is like web TV, I feel that's more natural. I, I get that's sure your, that. your reason for this, but why did you choose this company over another five in Shanghai? Yeah, so that's that's main reason because the major direction I find is uh, incredible. And the second one is in order to do well for the internet video, and uh, this is something amazing, 
I don't know whether people have heard about it actually last year in the United States. And the video, the usage of uh, uh, the bandwidth usage by the video is about uh, is equal to the entire bandwidth in 2005 of the United States. Mm-hmm. So it's all occupied. By 2010, that's predicted by the CTO of AT&T, 2010, 80% of the bandwidth will be occupied by the video usage online. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and even Microsoft claim uh, our own system may not be able to accommodate the video usage in the next three years, all the data center capacity. So basically, Phil, there's a business model behind it, um, there's a growth behind it, and, and a need. I mean, is that, I, I guess, I understand, like, the selling points of the company. I'm more interested in, was it just the company and the technology? Was there something about the fact that it was located in Shanghai, the team that was here? Um, you, you're a guy with a lot of options. Right. I, th- I think that's the first two reasons that I said is on a video. The second is because the company is running the P2P. And P2P is, I think, is a killer app to solve the problem of the video, uh, the, the, the cost of supporting video online. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you can have a lot of traffic like a YouTube, but at the same time, you actually, your cost curve is getting increased too. Right. right. You have a user traffic, you have a cost curve. But how do you actually balance that and build a sustainable business, a profitable business, is you need to have a traffic. At the same time, you actually need to lower your cost of your traffic. So this is actually PGP works. And right. it has recognized actually by the technology companies, PP Life, you know, there's a very few Chinese companies being recognized as a leader uh, in the technology front. Well, I think more important than being recognized is the fact that you have a big user base, right? That's, to me, that's the kind of recognition for I the, care for about. China, yeah, for the China, yeah. <laughs> um, I want to talk about that. So on, on to... So Shanghai actually, is a, I, I think, is not uh, top my, my, my sort of uh, my list. Oh, really? Where, yeah, would be, yeah. where would be your number one city? Could be others, yeah. If, if I have a good opportunity, I can move around, you know. Mm, yeah, okay. yeah. Not really because of Shanghai. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the obvious, one of the big questions is you're running all this TV, all of these movies. Um, it's all um, totally illegal in the United States, right? Um, the, the copyright laws would be a huge problem, but here in China, it's totally fine. So It's not totally fine, I don't think, yeah. Here in China, it's not? No, of course not. Okay. Yeah. I mean, tell us, what is the legal status of... I, I imagine so. You're in some kind of gray area. How bad is it? It is. Area? Yeah, it is gray. It's uh, it's uh, it's a bit gray. Of course, it's not as clear as, uh, as in the United States and in the China because it's, uh, the content side, most of Chinese content is state-owned, so the state-owned the content side. So in terms of that, and we need to work really uh, part. We have to partner with all those major content providers. That's what we have to do in China, and uh, that, that's not uh, that's not great. That's actually very clear. The gray area is the uh, foreign content, like content from U.S. Right. Korea, and other places. One is they those content do not have a landing rights in China, mm-hmm. meaning even those movies you cannot actually, for example, like CNN. Uh, CNN you probably can see the CNN in sort of a selected. Hotels, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a lot of um, you know the, the um, international you know foreigners living there, and uh, not allowed actually show on the cable TV mm-hmm. for the popular Chinese audience. Um, so for internet right now, it's actually for those like one like the CNN ones, we still cannot uh, we still cannot uh, deliver the CNN. But can you so you can actually block t- certain types of TV from being shown? So you can actually block CNN through your service, can you? Actually, we're blocked right now because that's by so that's by law. We so you only now. you only allow stuff that can legally be broadcast in China. That's right. Yeah, 
And in terms of gray area, this is most are uh, some of the movies, especially the U.S. movies, they never actually get a chance to to get into China, export into China. And so, so those you block. And those actually because they don't have a rights, and the most Chinese audience would want it. And for China right now, we're actually okay for those movies. Right. That's the gray. Uh, that's the great. So the U.S. company, but there's not much they can do. I mean, you're a Chinese company. What are they going to do? Sue you in China? Because they don't have a lending rights in China, so they even could not sue it. And in China, uh, those areas defined as a great. I think that's going to be changed at some point. So I think we work with really well with Time Warner, Sony, myself, working with them, actually building relationship with. Uh, they even want to sell those movies in China, but they cannot because they don't have rights. To even you know distribute those uh, those content in China, mm-hmm. so so this is more like uh, you know this sort of a, the, the gray means that uh, this is a sort of a no mass control um, government cannot control the content provider will not be able to control it. So how much content are you actually blocking? Uh, I mean, you're blocking CNN. Like how much TV channels, movies, and things like that do you do you actually actively stop? Do you have any idea on those numbers? Oh, I, know, I know you're just new at the company. I'm asking a lot of fellow people. Yeah, actually, actually, most of our, our I think, ninety-five percent of our content is still Chinese content. So mm-hmm. the Chinese-made content here, which are legally, uh, sort of, uh, can be distributed legally. So it's legally redistributed within the country. Yeah, in the so country. you have about five percent. So, so we we'll have no problem. So the five percent, as I said, is sort of a gray things, which those ones they did not have distribution rights. Uh, we call the landing rights, meaning those in China that you cannot uh, basically in China you can show it or you are not uh, uh, is not on the block list. For example, CNN is on the block list. Once it's on the block list, we, we definitely we cannot show all of them. You know, on the on the on the on the block list, the, the one on the block list we cannot show them. But there's the ones that are not on block list, uh, and uh, they're actually. Basically, no regulation say you can or cannot. Those are the gray area. Basically, right. you can or cannot. So those ones, uh, that five percentage. But so I imagine that, much is that five percent like eighty percent of the viewership? Uh, not that much, but uh, I would say yeah, they do maybe about uh, you know forty fifty percentage because they're really <laughs> hot. It wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> was really hot hot stuff, right? right? The hot stuff, yeah. So what happens if a, a new movie comes out? Can I put a movie on PP Live, or how does a new movie get on there? Yeah, this is different. PP Live is different from. It's more like a Hulu model. So we do have a you know large team, like the editorial team, to do the uh, cleaning up, to do the uh, you know to oh. the editorial things. And you put Chinese subtitles on them all too. To the Chinese, all of them have Chinese subtitles. That's right? right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. so they're in English. So the English, yeah. Oh, yeah. so I, in fact, I can download the client and use it as long as I can work my way through the UI. Yeah, because if you if you're talking about those five percent gray things, hmm. and it actually came with English, uh, but we have subtitles in Chinese. Yeah, translate only subtitles in Chinese. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, actually, I can watch it. <laughs> no, I'm gonna have to try. But actually, we'll try the Dominican Republic. But we, we block it, yeah. For international, we do block it. Oh, you do? We do, yeah. Is it for U.S. is it blocked also? Yeah, it's blocked, yeah. What about Dominican Republic? Dominican Republic is blocked? I think it's blocked, yeah. Oh, international is blocked, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So I have to get a because, because, Yeah, because those are the, you know, you be watching, oh, you can watch all the Chinese movies uh, international, no problem. That's not blocked. Uh, but I mean, for that great stuff, yeah. 
And, uh, so that's how you're keeping it so you don't get in too much trouble with the U.S. company? With other content providers, yes. <laughs> that's why we work really well with all those content providers, so we do right. not violate their, their rights. You know. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I want to I want to ask the the big question, which for me is the big question anyway, is uh, how on earth are you going to monetize this? Uh, currently, primarily is actually video ads because I said the, the video ads could be the next big thing for internet companies. Mm-hmm. And after portal, after search, I think the uh, video ads and uh, and we do see the advertisers uh, you know start to appreciate the measurability of online uh, media. Because when they when they they spend a lot of money to build those video ads, mm-hmm. you know, right? They have a, you know star, they have a you know the planning, you know, all kind of market plan to build the video ads like 30 seconds, and they love to distribute as more as possible. And for the younger generation like China, or probably those are the most powerful sort of uh, uh, in terms of purchasing power, then they spend the internet more and more than the other categories. So we see their uh, they're, they're, they're shifting from their video ads budget from TV to the internet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, what, and what will a video ad, ad, ad look like? I'm going to be watching every 40 minutes. There's going to be 20, 10 or 20 minutes of ads like in the US. Or like how, how far are you able to push ads versus content? Yeah, it's actually much more clean than the TV ads. And usually for the TV, if you remember that between the two programs, they might have like a two or three or four even ads in between, mm-hmm. right? For us, actually only show one ad between each program. And the usual we do is a 15 seconds video ads. Mm-hmm. We prefer 15 seconds rather than 30 seconds. Um, so 50 seconds, the video ads. And the standard TV video ads is actually 30 to one minute. Mm-hmm. So we're actually sort of a shorter that, uh, that video ads. And how frequent? How frequent is actually we currently, we only do uh, the pre-roll, we did not release the uh, middle roll. Mm-hmm. Middle roll basically in every certain minutes you got a video ads. We did not show that. We only show the pre-roll uh, video ads. I think the reason is first we want to incrementally get people to sort of used to this kind of ads without um, without getting frustrated. Oh, I'm sort of watching the same thing. Right. Like my TV. I mean, I guess one of the risks you have. In this model, is if you run a lot of advertising, a user is going to be like, "Screw this! I'm just going to go and watch. I'm going to d- download this myself and just watch it without ads." So there's a balance, right? Yeah, downloading going to take a lot of time, right? People really want a convenience. For the internet users, the most important one is for the convenience. They just want to click and start to watching it, and uh, that's why we've been very careful in terms of uh, you know adding ads into the video stream. And currently, we only do the pre-roll at the moment. Yeah. I guess you can follow the same model as Hulu. I mean, Hulu's made it work. You can yeah. do the same as Hulu, right? Yeah, very much so. And uh, we actually try to learn a lot of things that have been done in the other, on, on the other side, like Hulu. Uh, but the China audience will be very different. You know, that's something actually I want to partner with even Chinese company like my founder, uh, working with him because I feel that the Chinese audience in terms of the, the user behavior can be very different from others, you know, in, in the other side of the world. Yeah, in terms of the the ad types or the the, 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 the the formats of the ads could be different. And I mean, uh, I guess I'll just ask, and I, I, I imagine I know what the answer will be, but do you have visions of this going international? I mean, is this a company that yeah. uh, could become the Google TV? Is that kind of your intention? Yeah, that's, that's one of the reasons I, uh, my, my next kind of uh, my target is really want to build a Chinese company 
to the international into mm-hmm. the international space. Thus, I feel I have uh, my experience and my knowledge, and can help the Chinese company to the international. And very few, you know, lot of Chinese. There's a lot of Chinese successful Chinese company. They only do well, you know, just in the China space. Right. And uh, uh, so my vision is really bring the company to the uh, to the next stage, uh, to the international. And in fact, we're doing that right now. And uh, working with, I'll be back to U.S. in uh, late August, and I'll be uh, meeting with many other kind of potential partners. And uh, I hope that we actually can start to even to um, kind of copy our model, share our experience, especially our technology front. Working with many other uh, other partners. That's, I mean, from this trip, just an aside for our readers, like one of the things that I've seen in China is it's, it's like a like a crazy scientist lab of business models being tested very cheaply. I had um, lunch today with a guy who they're doing four million four million unique a month, I think was the number, and they're, they're, they've got thirteen employees and. No, 13 or 15 employees, and they or might have been less, and they're spending $13,000 a month. Um, the sort of the efficiency of models like that, and I imagine that the PP Live must have similar, obviously larger, but similar sorts of efficiencies, are insane. And you get to be so cost-effective that it's going to be difficult for U.S. companies to compete with the kind of cost structure that you can put in place. Am, am I am I yeah. incorrect? Yeah, this is actually one of the reasons I think you did not ask me why I moved back to China. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a choice. It's either stay in the United States and either starting starting my own company or you know join another company as a CEO. When I look at the competition, the competition really changed in other states. The first, uh, for technology-based company, and the China used to be considered sort of a labor power. But now it's actually, I think the power is more like a knowledge workers, you know, the power mm-hmm. of knowledge workers. And a huge, you know, sort of a day-to-day, you know, 600,000 new engineers graduate from university. And in the United States, we probably have like uh, one-fourth of it. And even one-fourth of it, many of them not, uh, oh, sorry, even less than that, you know, in Microsoft number we look at. So there's a huge amounts of those engineers. They're smart and they, you know, they, they, they work hard. Not like, uh, you know, uh, 9 to 5 guys, like, oh, you mm-hmm. start enjoying life. Everybody sort of really want to, um, making something happen. So this, this is a momentum of, the, of, this, of this culture right now. So I find, first, we have a really strong kind of, um, I would say, uh, knowledge infrastructure, very strong. The second, the capital infrastructure. So first, knowledge infrastructure, mm-hmm. we have people. Second is not uh, the capital infrastructure. In China, it's actually something you can imagine. Actually, the valuation of a Chinese company is over is higher than the company in the valley, in the Silicon Valley. It's higher in China. It's higher in China in terms of valuation of the company. If you start a company like like Vincent tomorrow, I work with five guys, I can get the five million US dollars, no problem. Hmm. And in the US, it's very very well rare, very very well you actually can get five million dollars with that. In China, valuation is high because many of those startups, when they actually their 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 roadmap is to go to Nasdaq for IPO, mm-hmm. right? You have seen all the company like Baidu. Baidu is making three fifty million US dollar last year. Mm-hmm. The valuation is eight billion, mm-hmm. right? Eight billion company, but they only need to make a small amount of money, and but the valuation is Baidu. I think it's about two to three times. Uh, in terms of valuation, higher than Google. Oh, okay. Right, in terms of valuation. Another Chinese successful company like uh, Alibaba, you probably heard about it, and the ten, Tencent, 
variation is still on the market, 50% of 50 in the PE so, so why is, is Baidu five, uh, is that much higher? Is it just because there's that much growth being priced into China? It is. Or is there a bubble? It is growth. Because people look at the growth of those Chinese companies. They, they're still small, right? But the country internal demand is, is growing crazy. You probably in yeah. China you find that, you know this uh, uh, like I know the, the when I was in Shanghai the though months ago we had uh, the first uh, sort of a second year whatever the the international uh, the vehicle festival you know selling cars and stuff the first day Ferrari they sold 50 Ferrari in the first day when they opened the door this never happened uh, in the world mm-hmm. you know, anywhere else. And currently, 50% of luxury goods, like uh, you know, Rolex and those watches, and uh, 50% of luxury goods is sold in China. Mm-hmm. China basically now occupied 50%. Although there are only small percentage of those rich guys, but you know, they 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 have they they, they just have an incredible sort of <laughs> buying power to get a whole economy to to boost. And of course, China still sort of a really bump the economy these days, and you know, growth ratio is still probably going to keep the you know, two digits at this moment. So the potential growth is is still there. It's not just five years, probably ten years. So that's why the valuation of the Chinese company in terms of IPO is always higher because they have a much more longer runway for them to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, you can for many companies in the United States, we already can we already can see oh. You are already uh, either you've been dominated, and that is exact market size. You will get it. You, mm-hmm. you, you can see the end of it. But China just see how that whole notion of the future growth is is unpredictable, and that's incredible. So that's one of the reason. Sort of, I think that's a key reason why I moved back to China. I feel, huh, for this time of being, maybe being a part of a Chinese company can grow the company much more bigger. Mm. Because I have a capital infrastructure, I have a people infrastructure. What else I need is, of course, the management, which I can bring the company with this right. management experience. And by the way, you happen to be Chinese. <laughs> happen to be Chinese, yeah. And I can talk to them, you know, no problem. And, uh, so it's, uh, so that, that's I found out, wow, you know what, that's an advantage. And, uh, you know, I think I should take and, uh, and really can leverage my experience as a, as a Kind of a Chinese and uh, mm. a person who has you know overseas experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, one thing we haven't talked about, and, and we do need to, is um, like the, the funding of the company and the revenues of the company and all that sort of stuff. Now, I know you're going to tell me there's things you can't tell me, yeah. so I'll just I'll just ask you to tell me, and you tell me what you don't want to tell me. Uh, <laughs> can you yeah. can you talk about like how did the company get started and how did it get to where it's at now? I mean. Did, yeah. The, guy, the, the founding guys didn't just like start off with money, did they? They just did they go and develop themselves for a while and then go and raise some rounds. Like, how, how's yeah. all that all that evolved? Yeah, the company has about just uh, four years old. Actually, last month, so the first thing I joined the company is actually did the one public party, is celebrating the first year birthday of the company. So just first year, um, but actually they four started years, you said, four right? years, right. yeah, four years, yeah, the four, the, the four uh, yeah, the, the fifth year, right? mm-hmm. yeah, because four years old. They started in 2004, but actually they have, at the time, they just whole bunch of university students. Uh, they actually got the first venture capital money. Uh, it's around, you probably be laughing, it's actually around 
thousand dollars US. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a so they got, they got an angel round basically. Uh, it actually is a VC, but a very small VC money. Right. They just found hey, those are several students and they might be doing something interesting. And the first thing they did is at the time they're they're university students, they really want to watch the NBA, right? The the the, 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 the basketball, and mm-hmm. they they could not find it. They don't have a televisions in the in the you know in the in the university. So he program it and uh, do the live broadcasting of the TV. So they start to sort of distribute the software within the campus. Um, so they two months later they got the first this hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars US. And uh, but but actually incredibly is in six months, uh, sorry in three months the traffic grow five hundred percentage. Right. And almost all the campus university students start to use the software once mm-hmm. a month and study. Like Facebook, maybe right. those are stuff from university. So then become the very, then they actually uh, quit the university, um, like Mark, they quit the university, and uh, they actually moved from Wuhan to Shanghai. They mm-hmm. used to be located in another city, and uh, it's in the center of China. So the, they moved to the Shanghai because they think in Shanghai you can attract more, you know, talents and uh, should be able to get more uh, capital money. So they've been identified by the Blue Run and the DFJ, those VCs. Mm-hmm. So they raised about uh, in 2007 they raised about the 25 million US dollar. Oh, okay. Yeah, 25 million US dollar. That was the last run of the of the of the company. And the currently, they uh, for the last MBA because of talk of MBA for the last MBA you heard about Yao Ming right that was one of Chinese hero Ming Yao. I'm sorry, what do you mean by MBA? I don't know. Oh, M- MBA. Oh, the NBA. MBA, yeah, you know the MBA. The basketball. Yeah, basketball, yeah, basketball, yeah, the MBA. There's one Chinese hero and mm-hmm. he's actually the MBA player called mm-hmm. Ming Yao. Okay. Yeah, Ming Yao, and uh, he's actually one of, in, the, in, the, in the team. So the last time. We estimate one nearly one third of Chinese people are watching NBA from PP Live. Oh, wow. Watching through the live. One podcast. third of your users. One third of Chinese users. China, you mean Chinese? Uh, Chinese. Uh, uh, the audience. One nearly one third of Chinese audience. You just, I mean, talk about num- total numbers. Like how many individuals? The total is about the six. Those are watching the live broadcasting right. of NBA games, mm-hmm. right? About six million. You had about six million. No, totally the six million in China at that date. At that so time. you had six million people simultaneously watching. Simultaneously watching, yeah. Um, I mean, is there a that's way about one third of a Chinese uh, sort of total audience who are actually watching that NBA games? And we're watching on some are watching from TV, some watching from software, right? Some from. I mean, it would seem like you, you've got to become like a, you're going to become like ABC or CBS, right? You're going to become a TV network. Uh, I mean, you are, but you really will become. Is there a reason why you wouldn't become one? We probably be very because right now we're still be sort of an aggregator. We're like a distributing. Uh, that's, distributing. What, that's what ABC is. Yeah, it's, it's more like an aggregator. We're not producing our own content. But they, I, I, I mean, they don't. You don't have to, right? I mean, you could just be a network. Yeah, and I, yeah, I guess I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Can you yeah. maybe can you just keep telling us yeah. about? Um, so this company right now, now, you just talk about what the company is doing, and the company is doing, and we're actually just uh, after I join, I will start to sort of start to hire more people, mm-hmm. and we're nearly 200 right now. 
probably by the end of the year, we need to uh, increase at least one third of it. So we're hiring, you know, a lot more. So you have a lot more capital. You, you, you still have. You, are you going to raise more money, or you, you've got plenty? We to actually, at the moment, actually, we're raising more money right now because right. I take a more aggressive approach to grow the company. Mm-hmm. I found, you know what, they have a very good foundation. The company has not yet break even, mm-hmm. but based on the capital, based on the revenue stream right now, actually they can get break even this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I purposely break, sort of postpone the break even time because I want to invest more. Uh, I don't think you need to break even too early. Um, and why is that? So help me understand why. Why would you not focus on figuring out a great monetization model right now so that you can monetize and grow the company naturally? Because um, there might be an explosive way to monetize the company now, so that you don't need to go and raise capital. Uh, that's actually a good question, and uh, it's, it's not about the not investing on monetization. Actually, a lot of capital that we raised will be used to uh, invest on marketing, uh, in uh, expanding our sales team and the sales force, and even expand it to international, mm-hmm. some international sales as well. So, really, is one focus on the on the revenue side. The other is focusing on the, the technology, the platform side. Mm-hmm. So that's capital we're raising actually for two purposes, revenue as well as our R&D investment. Mm-hmm. Because I feel the company has a unique asset in terms of its technology. And that's something people would, be, would have a lost, lasting value down the road. But right. if you figure out the monetization now, that's not, that value doesn't go away. We actually invest a lot on the in terms of monetization. As I said, it's a video ads monetization. The big, um, it's like stock market. The growth ratio of video advertising is actually grow very fast. It's the highest among any uh, advertising types, like a banner ads, social ads, email ads, whatever. Mm-hmm. Video ads grows highest. And uh, we sort of be able to enjoy that, uh, that highest growth ratio. So our revenue growth is actually... Uh, above three digits year by year, mm-hmm. over three digits. So that revenue streams is actually going well. Uh, that's why uh, we have no problem in terms of getting company, you know, to the break-even point. But yeah, yeah. I mean, just sometimes on the internet, like some little twist will like triple your revenues even more, right? I mean, then you suddenly just take off, and then you don't need money. I guess I don't understand why you wouldn't try and find a way to monetize your site now rather than going out and raising it. Yeah, I think that this company still need um, uh, to, uh, you know, 200 companies to the, still not like a huge big company, right? Mm-hmm. We still need a lot of more work to do. And on the management side, on the process side, especially as I said, on the R&D part of it, in terms of getting the technology much more strong. For example, we do have a client requesting to license technology for a certain region. And uh, our system is still not uh, sort of uh, um, uh, good enough in terms of like uh, providing APIs, everything sort of a ready, sort of a, a box approach and giving people to use it. Mm-hmm. We actually can use it internally. And But in order to expand our network, I feel that we need to offer our partners the same technology so we'll be able to sort of uh, operate the same business in, uh, in the other parts of the world. So there's still a lot of work to do in getting company to the shape. One, as you said, we can sort of leverage our own revenue stream and invest through our revenue to uh, make that work. The other, of course, we use external capital to, uh, to boost this growth. I'm actually taking the latter approach because I feel that actually first, uh, we have no problem to get some capital um, with the right evaluation. You actually can move company much more quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Even I will be considering some possible merger and acquisition at this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually with Microsoft, I personally involve about eleven 
acquisition deals. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so, so you think TP Live could be acquired by Microsoft? No, no, no. I'm, I mean, we're looking at acquiring other companies. Right, okay. uh, Yeah, not, not a selling company oh, okay. at the moment, yeah. Right. So we're getting companies uh, to, to, to grow the company much more quicker, rather than, because, you know, we, we still need a lot of more capital to grow to the uh, to a stage that uh, we actually can really move into some other international markets. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Um, we're pretty much out of time. Is there anything that you want to talk about that you haven't we haven't covered? Um, I think you covered a really nicely couple of the bases, and uh, certainly with this uh, you know interview, I'd be happy to make more friends and uh, be happy to share the experience. I'm still in the learning about how these companies are doing at this moment, but I have a mo- my own roadmap, and uh, certainly um, I'm in the next um, uh, kind of stage is actually moving the company to the United States. And hopefully we have more friends and the partners be interested in working with us. You mean you don't mean you're going to move the actual location of the company to the U.S. You're going to open up an office in the U.S. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, um, thank All you right. very much for. Thanks. Your time. Enjoy. Yes.